Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. It's the end of August, which means the end of summer, which is a little sad. But I think we've lived summer to its fullest, so we're ready to go into fall. Oh, definitely. This summer has been probably one of the best summers of my life in a lot of ways. And now I'm excited for fall, one of my other favorite seasons. (laughs) (laughs) One of my four favorite seasons. Our favorite season of fall. Actually, I don't love March, where you're like ready for spring, but it's still winter. I don't like that. No, March is about the worst. (sighs) Yeah. But other than that fall, my other favorite season is coming. So I came out this morning to milk the cow and it was legitimately cold out. I've been milking the cow in just a t-shirt and shorts because it's so hot and it was pretty chilly. I kind of like it. Yeah. So my basil, which has been just one of my most successful things this year, my basil starting to get brownish, blackish uh, spots or it's turning kind of brownish. And I had my, my best friend gardening expert come over and I said, what's wrong with my basil? Cause it's getting kind of brown. And she said, it looks like it's getting too cold. And it seemed funny cause it's August. It's pretty hot in the day, but it is getting really chilly in the evenings. And I think it's just getting a little too chilly for my basil. And I was fine with that cause it wasn't something I could control. It wasn't something I was doing wrong. And I have used that basil to its fullest. So it's good. Right. We plant annuals around here and that means we have to plant them every year, but that's because they're, we're in a Northern climate. So some of them are from tropical environments. So things like basil start to freak out and wonder why it's getting so cold. Yeah. Yeah. Every morning I have to wear a jacket so I can't even, or a sweatshirt. So I can't even imagine what it's like in the middle of the night for the for those plants. So right. it's okay. We're just coming into fall and, and luckily we've done everything we can do in the summer. Uh, one thing, so we haven't podcasted a lot this this summer, and one thing I've been kind of realizing, I'm walking around just taking note of all the, the gardens, and I think you learn so much about life through nature, and one thing I notice is the flowers really all take turns coming into their glory, and by the time, you know, one flower has flowered long enough, it's it starts to die back and then another flower takes its place. And I've just been realizing how important it is for us as people, you know, we come into our, our glory, we, we do our giftings, we put ourselves out there, but it's always important to come back, um, especially as a family and put down roots, remember what's important. So we're not, we're not trying to build our brand. We're not trying to become this huge homesteading podcasting family of, if that's even possible uh, nowadays, but we really just want to come in and out of, you know, sometimes we'll put ourselves out there and, and share our life. And then other times we'll come back and, and just put down roots and just remember, you know, what's important and why we're doing things. So yeah, I like that a lot. And it's also just felt like this is what summer should be like as well to take a break and not push so hard, Mm -hmm. even in the things that we enjoy just to kind of relax and go a little bit slower. Yeah. We've had a really restful summer and it's been just, it's just really important to, to go dormant a little bit, to take a break. Sometimes I think with social media, we want to put ourselves out there all the time. And I don't know, I don't think that's necessarily healthy for you and it makes people sick of you too. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And because of all of our technology which which separates us from 
the seasons and, and allows us to do whatever we want, whenever we want, I think it is easy to lose that sense of seasonality mm-hmm. where we can just keep pushing and doing our lives 100% all the time. And that's not how anything else in nature works. There's right. no other animal or plant that just pushes nonstop. Right. Everything needs to take a break. So mm-hmm. We all need a time to go dormant. And for us, this summer has been kind of, I mean, we worked really, really hard in the spring, but in this late summer, it's just been a time for us to really go dormant a little bit in the, in the summer as yeah, a family, absolutely. I think. So, so yes. Um, However, we have been doing many things. Yes. Oh yeah. We've been eating <laughs> so much of, from our land and taking care of our gardens. We've been working hard for sure. Right. In, uh, you know, working hard and resting hard. <laughs> so one of the fun things that we did this year is we planted sweet potatoes for the first time. And so what's great about sweet potatoes is not just the potatoes that you would get at the end of the year, but sweet potatoes produce incredible edible leaves. Okay, wait, let me, let me be very clear about something because I'm paranoid. <laughs> potatoes, <laughs> potato leaves are poisonous. They're from the nightshade family. So potato leaves are poisonous, uh, tomato you never, Yeah, leaves. you never eat potato or tomato leaves. Yes, they're ever. poisonous. But sweet potato leaves are, you can eat their... They're, they can be eaten as greens. Right. In fact, you never eat anything unless you're sure it's edible. Right. So there's, you know, in the mushroom family, there's many dangerous things. There's lots of dangerous berries that you shouldn't be eating. And then even among leaves, there's things like hemlock, which looks exactly like uh, wild carrot. And hemlock mm. is incredibly dangerous. Right. It can kill you. Right. And there's other other plants that look like certain edible plants. So it's just really important to never never be eating things if you don't know what they are. Yeah, I get really paranoid because a lot of times Pete's really into like foraging and eating. I don't know. You eat weeds and leaves and things, and he's always bringing me these like leaves to try. And I'm like, I don't want to eat this. I don't even know if this is poisonous or not. But my kids, you know, they want to be like daddy. So Pete will go around eating random weeds and then I look at my kids and they'll like pick a leaf and eat it and I'm, we're like whoa hold on wait yeah some leaves are poisonous so you work they know what's we poisonous, say to them right? over and over again you that they're not allowed to eat anything until I've looked at it well mulberry so it's Pete, really funny though because I do I've learned lots of wild things that are fun to eat and but when you come from the suburbs you don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> so I hang out with my friends and I hand them leaves and they're like you're I know, supposed I'm like, to eat this Peter stop giving people leaves to eat when they come over to our house so we have we have mulberry tree, for instance, and the leaves are a little tough, but they're incredibly good for you. And I enjoy munching on them. You can just eat them raw. There's three different types of mulberry trees that come from all over the world. Morris alba is the edible type. And so, again, you, you want to know what it is before you eat it. The other kinds I don't think are going to do anything to you, but, but you want to know what it is before you start eating them. Right. And then uh, we have... Uh, wild violet everywhere. It's just this, it's a really fun ground cover. I kind of want to see it increase more in our yard because it, it chokes out weeds and it's a really, really good thing. And the leaves are very mild tasting. You can eat the flowers even and right. things like that. I love, I love just walking around the yard eating yeah. wild salad. But it's funny to see my son like pick a mulberry leaf off the tree and just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so potato leaves are poisonous, but again, sweet potato leaves we tried them for the first time yesterday, and yes, I was kind of paranoid. I was like, Peter, are you sure? Because I've had it drilled in my head. Well, every time we try something new, Kristen gets very nervous. I she, do. It she is. wonders if she's going to die. Yes. So I'm like, you know, he's like, you can eat sweet potato leaves, but I've had it drilled all summer in me and, and the kids that you don't eat the potato leaves. So I'm like, are you sure that we can 
eat this. Right. So a sweet potato <laughs> is a vine, and so it starts. We it's planted. We have I have planted in wood chips, so these vines just spread out all over. Hold on, tell people how because I didn't know this. How you plant the potatoes and the sweet potatoes? It's kind of cool. You take a potato and you. Buried under the wood chips. Yeah, it's cool. The you, end. Did you? But did you cut them up? You cut the, them up? No, I didn't bother cutting them oh, up. Okay. A lot of people do just so that they spread out and go further. Right. But I wasn't trying to do a huge section of them anyway. So I just put the sweet potato directly in the ground. Right. A lot of people um, do sweet potato slips, which is you just grow little sprouts off of the potato and then you put them in water and they their roots grow out immediately and you can stick those in the ground. And that's nice, but if you don't want to work that hard, you can just stick sweet potato in the ground and it'll grow out. Right. So, well, the same thing happened with our potatoes. I was at the store and you were like, pick up some organic potatoes. So I got some organic potatoes and then you just put them all on the ground. And yeah. we've had so much I found out potatoes. later you shouldn't do that, though. Oh, why? That's a good way. There's diseases that go with potatoes that spread underground. or, or and, and so you can get that. If you just get them from the store and oh. put them in the ground, you can get that. We got lucky and none of that happened. Oh, I see. Okay. But... If you get uh, potatoes from a reputable seed company, they're going to have been tested for everything. Oh, interesting. So don't do what we did. But it worked for us. But, but it worked. Okay. It worked We've had, so We have so many potatoes that I have in storage. It's so fun to say, oh, I want some potatoes for breakfast. And then you just go downstairs and you have potatoes. You don't have to go to the store. I've loved our potatoes. But yes. anyway, sweet potato leaves. Okay. So we have the sweet potatoes growing in wood chips, which is really nice because then there's nothing around them. There's no weeds, nothing like that. And the vines grow up out of the wood chips and then spread out everywhere and they grow prolifically. Mm. I mean, there's a huge section of leaves we have just from, I only planted three sweet potatoes. Wow. It was kind of like we just had them extra and I planted them. Um, and this massive amount of vines have grown since then, and they're really pretty looking. They don't usually flower, but ours have flowers all over them, which are gorgeous. Why don't, don't they flower? I don't know. Yeah, wow. I don't know. Yeah, Normally they don't flowers. flower very much, but ours have flowers all over them. And so you can harvest the leaves, and I kind of just cut off the stem and the leaf together, and it's a nice thick stem, and then we cut them up and just sauteed it with some... Bacon fat and garlic and salt, and that's it? Just those four ingredients? Well, okay, wait. Bacon, you don't have to use bacon fat. We don't use um, vegetable oil. We don't use vegetable oil. So uh, you can use olive oil. or but we... Well, no, because you want to get the pan really hot. Oh, so okay. olive oil is just going to burn really quickly. Oh, okay. So whenever we make bacon, we save all of the bacon fat, and it's a really, really good fat to cook things in. Right. And it smells terrific. <laughs> we made popcorn and, uh, you know, the recipe calls for vegetable oil, but we use bacon fat. We made popcorn with our own, in bacon fat, with our own butter. And it was, it was so good. <laughs> bacon fat, fresh butter popcorn. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> but anyway, so back to the, the leaves. Right. So we cut that up, minced the garlic, cooked it together. And this is something that they eat all the time in Taiwan and probably all over the world. But sweet potato leaves are really hard to get in the store. I think you have to cook them really fresh. Mm -hmm. But what's fresher than I just picked it five minutes ago? Yes. And so we did that and it was terrific. I tried eating the sweet potato leaves raw and they're kind of not great. They're, they're a little bit tough, but as soon as you cook them, they're terrific. Yes, it was so good. So I was, of course, a little scared to eat them because it was a new thing. And like I said, potato leaves are poisonous. And so I ate them and they, it was so good. And we don't have a lot of fresh greens at the moment. Like our kale has kind of finished and our lettuces have kind of finished. So it was just so great to have this new fresh 
fresh green, and it was better than spinach. It was really good. Right. I I've never it. gotten real into growing lettuces. We've tried lots of other stuff, and I've been mostly focused on growing perennials. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to actually have a plant that we would grow that produces that much leafy green right. without really trying very hard. Yeah, we haven't done anything. It just, you put it in the ground. And so that, I really recommend that. I want to have it again today. Yeah. It was really good with rice. So, oh, and it's really, really good for you. We were kind of researching the, the health benefits of but sweet potato leaves. and Right. It's, it's ridiculously high in vitamin K, which, you know, yeah. when you look that up, it's good for you for all kinds of reasons. But you're going to get almost your whole daily you know, equivalent of vitamin K in right. just one serving of sweet potato leaves. So that's been fun. It's been really fun to just try. We've been trying so, so much. And it's been fun to see these things that we didn't really put much thought into that are working really well, like the sweet potatoes. We, did, I mean, did you get? where did you get the sweet potatoes from? Again, we just got them from the store. Oh, okay. But don't do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just been fun to just try a couple of things and, and be surprised at what works. And there were some things that we really had high hopes for and that didn't work so well. So, um, you know, you just never know. And I, we think it's great to try a lot of different things because you don't know what you're going to fall in love with. Absolutely. So... Yeah, there's our, our sweet potato. Now I want to have that again. I'll have that for breakfast. Me too. With rice. It was really good with rice. So we are here doing this podcast to share our experience with homesteading. And we're okay with being vulnerable and we're okay with sharing the hard stuff too. So we'll share the good stuff, but we'll share our mistakes and the things that we've learned and the hard things that we've walked through. And hopefully it can be encouraging to other families who want to homestead and have to go through hard stuff too. So we've had... (laughs) Yeah, this one's a little embarrassing. (laughs) We had a very emotional weekend last weekend. Yeah, we were actually going to do a podcast last weekend. Right. Didn't happen. Didn't happen because... Other things sometimes come up when you're homesteading that you were surprised about. So we had right. a... So two years ago... <laughs> two and a half years this ago. This animal came into our life, <laughs> our livestock guardian dog, who is a Merama sheepdog. Merama sheepdog. We don't exactly know how to say it. Merama okay. got It's Italian. It's but, Italian, so I'm not going to try that. But. Right. So we went... You know, we're a little bit impulsive or a lot impulsive, and we decided we really wanted this livestock guardian dog because we wanted a farm. And so we got her, and we were not prepared for what livestock guardian dog meant. Right. So there are dogs, and then there are livestock guardian dogs. They're not the same. No. And people might be dog experts, but that does not make them a livestock guardian dog expert. It is a totally different experience. So I bring my dog... There's probably about five of these breeds in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's more of them around the world, but there's probably about five in the United States. And these are ancient breeds of dogs. Right. So these are ones that are thousands of years old and they are built and bred to be working dogs. Mm -hmm. And they don't exist the same way as just companion dogs or in cities or the way most people Or as herding dogs, because there are working dogs that are herding dogs. Right, they're not herding dogs. And they're not herding dogs. Herding dogs want to please, and they want to work in a different way than livestock guardian dogs. And I have gone to several different vets for different reasons for my dog, and no vet has ever even heard of our breed. I've never met a vet who, who has heard of our breed of dog. So when they write, when they give her a shot and they have to write down the breed, they write some, they're like sheep dog. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not a sheep dog, but okay. Right. <laughs> so no one has ever heard of our dog and people try to give us well-meaning dog advice. And I just want to say, 
thank you for your dog advice. Do you have advice with like a wolf or something? Because you're not dealing with a dog, a regular dog. Right. So one of the things about them is their first line of defense is barking, Mm -hmm. is they want to keep the peace and they keep the peace by announcing that they're present. Okay. Well, first off, you have to understand about a livestock guardian dog. They are, they are bred to not be family companion dogs, but they're bred to be out with the sheep. So we have a livestock guardian dog book, and there's one picture of a mom who, a mother dog who is literally nursing a sheep, another one who's nursing a goat. Right. They have this really strong bond that they create with whoever they're guarding. Yes. So they are bonded as puppies. And once they are bonded, they are really bonded for life. It is very hard to break that bond. Right. So I read a story of two Marama sheep dogs who, uh, a family of, um, I guess, sheep a sheep family. I don't know what you call them. They were evacuated from, I guess, Tennessee. It was a Tennessee where there was a big fire and they were evacuated and they were not allowed to bring their animals with them. It was an emergency situation. And they came back and these two dogs stayed with the sheep through the fire, you know, protecting the sheep. They do not leave their flock. Right. They will, they'll die first. They'll die for their and flock. And they'll gladly die. There's mm-hmm. another story of in a book I'm reading on livestock guardian dogs where there's uh, this flock of sheep and it was attacked by 20 coyotes mm-hmm. and there were three livestock guardian dogs uh, guarding the sheep and they ended up killing nine of the coyotes and two of the livestock guardian dogs died and the shepherd came out in the morning and there was one guardian dog left but not a sheep had been hurt right and they had defended it and they they'll gladly give their life to protect their charge right they're not going to run away right and so these dogs are not super friendly so they're they like when we have a birthday party or something, I don't leave my livestock guardian dog out with the children, even though she is used to my children. She's been raised since a puppy with babies crawling all over her. Right. And if we have one family over, it's different, especially right. if she knows who they are. But if yeah, it's not a dog to just have out at a party. Right. Uh, she they don't they don't listen. I mean, they're not they're not dogs that are going to just like we have one dog, our English Shepherd, who he just wants to please us. We basically have to tell him something like once, and he will listen. I can leave the door of the house open and he knows not to come inside and he'll just sit there. Uh, he listens. Livestock guarding dogs do not care to please in that way. I, they do not listen in that way. So. Right. And they're not supposed to. They're supposed right. to be really independent. They're supposed mm-hmm. to have the capacity to decide whether something's a good idea right. or not just because someone's telling them it's a good idea right. isn't enough for them. They right. need to agree with it. So livestock guardian dogs make their bond as puppies. So Say you have a flock of sheep or goats, you take the puppy and you put the puppy with the sheep and they bond. And then once they're bonded, they stay with those that flock. So we got our dog before we got our farm. So we were, we didn't really do enough. We did some research, but not enough research to know what we were doing. And we learned through experience. <laughs> so we did make a mistake. So we were getting ready to move on to a farm. And I said, oh, I want a guardian dog before we get there because I want to feel safe having a dog to protect us. So we got this puppy before we got our sheep, which we'd never even got the sheep. We got cows instead. So our family was around this puppy a lot. And so she naturally bonded to our family. Right. So that bond was made. So our children are her sheep, which is great in some ways. It's really great in some ways. Right. I mean, our, our yard is fenced in and it's, it's, it's extensive compared to what we were used to. But we feel so good about having our kids outside because nothing is coming on the property without this dog knowing about it. Right. But there's also some problems in having her be our bonded to us. For example, she wants to be with us all the time. So we're outside all the time, but if we're ever inside, she's constantly trying to break into the house. Always trying to break in the house. <laughs> Always breaking into the house. And she'll listen to me. I'll say out and she'll go out. But if I'm not in the room, she'll 
she'll know I'm not there and she'll come in and that she doesn't want to listen to anybody right. else. And Merrimah sheepdogs eat a different diet than your average puppy with their puppy chow. This they, sounds weird, <laughs> but it is what it they is. They eat sheep poop. It's really good for them. It's really cool. I mean, they're meant to lay around with the sheep all day, so they eat the sheep poop. Right. They were bred to be on a mountainside with yes. sheep, and that's how they get a lot of their diet, and it's, it's what they're made for. It's really good for it's really good for them. So anyway, my little children are her sheep. So I had constantly her breaking into the house, getting into the trash, digging out the dirty diapers. And Which is disgusting. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> but like in her mind, that's what she's supposed to be eating and she would find it and it would make the hugest mess. So it was just, oh my we gosh. had so many problems with her. These dogs are also nocturnal. So they kind of just lay around with the sheep at night or in the day and they sleep during the day. So she loves to just lay around by the house during the day. And then at night they are on guard and they are, right. and they're way Which guarding. is, again, it's really great. And then not so great in some ways, but right. They know where the property line is, and I've walked it with them a bunch of times. And so she'll patrol at night. She'll walk around mm-hmm. the house periodically and make sure everything's okay. And if something's there, she's going to bark her head off. Oh, yeah, I feel so safe with her. Right. I really do. And you can explain their barking is their first line of defense. Right. That's what they do is they're going to probably stay with the flock. Mm-hmm. And, and if they don't do that, they're usually trained to do that. And they'll bark and scare things away. Right. So they aren't really aggressive in that they will go looking for a fight because they don't want to leave their sheep. So they just bark. So if you think you know about a dog that barks a lot, you have seen nothing compared to a Merima sheep dog. Right. The right. barking is ridiculous. It right. is I mean, so... So long story short, this has caused us a ton of stress. Right. And, and she's incredibly willful. You know, most dogs will learn who the alpha is and then not challenge that. With a, a dog like this, I had to challenge her constantly to remember who is alpha. <laughs> right. And a lot of food aggression, that's also part of the breed, is they get very defensive about their food. And so mm-hmm. we've had to work through a whole bunch of that. And, you know, if the other dog tries to come near her when she's eating something she really wants, she's going to... Right. Be very aggressive towards the other dog. And if we describe her, we sound like we're just describing a terrible dog. But really, she's not a terrible dog. This is who she's meant to be. This is who she's bred to be. Right. And we And live- if you want this as a companion dog, then your job as a trainer is extensive. And it can be done. People do. There's a lot of people out there that really like, if they live on a farm, they want their kids to be raised by a livestock guardian dog. Mm-hmm. Not raised, but have that <laughs> as their companion by, dog. I was raised by livestock guardian <laughs> dogs. <laughs> right, right. But they want that to be the protector of their house. And so people do do this, but you have to know what you're doing. It's Yes. And we so, didn't know what we were doing. Right. And then the other issue is we live in, we have a, we live in a very unique situation. It's really cool. So we back to woods, which is, which is really beautiful and awesome. We live on a farm and then a little down the street from us, we're also in a neighborhood. So people walk their dogs by all day long and our livestock guardian dog is bred to bark at those dogs walking by. So we have constant, constant barking. Right. So, so there was no way around that and there was no way we could do that to the neighborhood. So we ended up getting a barking collar for her, right? which is pretty much the only way we can have her in this neighborhood. Otherwise it's just constant. It's it's not fair. It's constant. So she's mostly learned that, but then every time the barking collar runs out of batteries or in this case, a couple weekends ago, it broke. It's like immediately she just starts barking incessantly again. Right. Right. So, it's been a very two and a half years of us trying everything to work with this dog. Two and a half years of us, like, I mean, just constantly trying to work with this dog. We have four kids. We have a homestead. We've been learning everything new. We have cows. 
This dog has been the biggest stress of the last <laughs> few years. Definitely, no doubt about More it. than having kids. That's crazy to say, right. but that's how it's been. Right. So we go through little seasons. I think when, when times are more stressful, when we're like, why, have, why do we have this dog? Why have we let her cause so much stress in our family? Maybe we should get rid of her. And then, you know, we talk about it and we're like, no. I mean, our kids are so bonded to her and she's so bonded to our kids. So we're Especially like... Especially our oldest. He no. just lays on top of her and I right. mean... That she's awesome. And we with just, him. we're like, we can't do, and she's never attacked anyone. If, if she attacked someone, that would be a different story, but that's never happened. So it feels like we can't take away our son's dog. Right, exactly. So we've been, no, we can't, but we talk about it. And then I think that last weekend, last week, it was just so bad with her. I was having a really stressful week, and then I have this dog barking constantly and it was we were just like that's the bark it. collar broke yeah I, I was like peter i caught him at work and usually you're the one that's like i can't take her anymore we, we take turns being the one that can't take her anymore i right. think but i called pete at work and i was like that's it i can't do this anymore i can't take it anymore i can't take her breaking into the house not listening barking all day i can't take it anymore we have to rehome her we have to find right. a great well we love her we'll find a great home for her and pete you i mean you know where we stand with her so you were like all right, I'm, I'm for it. And we convinced our kids. We kind of talked to them and really got them on board. And I'm sorry, we bribed them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we bribed them. We were just Lego like, sets. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So what I did, I went on this farm kind of group that I'm a part of for local farmers who sell things. And I kind of put it out there that we, the problems we had with Bella and how I was trying to rehome her and we weren't looking for money. We were really looking for the best home for her. So I had, I asked people to email me about and tell me about your farm. Cause I wasn't going to put this, give her to, or sell her to a, just a family who wanted a family dog. I wanted people to tell me about their farm and their setup. Right. And it turns out there's lots of people out there that want to do bad things to dogs and oh get them gosh. for free. So, well, I will say when I posted about chaotic. her, I, it was chaotic. I had every dog person writing me about not to, not to trust who you give your dog to because people do bad things to dogs. And it was very right. emotional. And so we're like, we're going to make sure this is a really good setup. We're going to drive her out there. We're going to check it out. Right. So I, I'm going through, I went through tons of emails of people who are trying to um, buy the dog. I had a low rehoming fee for her and I just wanted to find, we just wanted to find the best family for her. So I found a, a family that seemed great. They lived on a mountain, which these dogs are bred to really be on a mountain. They had goats. They did not have any neighbors because I was very clear. I want to give this dog to someone who does not have a lot of neighbors walking by because it's constant barking. And I found someone who lived on the mountains, no neighbors, and they wanted a barking dog. To keep. They had had dogs their whole life. So we're like 40 acres on a mountain at the end of a long driveway. Sounds perfect. Right, right. So we, we get Bella in the car. We drive out to the mountains an hour and a half away right. with all, we all went as a, we went as a family. And the idea was, I didn't want the kids to have to say, to see her go. So the idea was, Pete, you drop us off like five minutes away at some restaurant or some store, drop us off five minutes away. And then you drive out and you leave her there and right. then come back and get us. Well, we're used to around here. There's stuff everywhere you could do. You just right. find a Walmart or something. Right. Well, we're in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. So there was no, I'm like, you can't drop us off on the side of the road. <laughs> So we all had to go to drop her off with this new family, and she was Well, we're on the way, though, and we get not too far away, and there's this little hole-in-the-wall restaurant along the way, and it's called Chow Bella. Right. I was like, it's a sign. (laughs) You know, Chow Bella. (laughs) Goodbye, Bella. I didn't want to break his heart. I was like, that's... I I don't know. (laughs) But he was really certain. It made me feel better. It was a sign. Because I felt terrible. Right. We felt terrible. So at one point, she's huge. 
She's like, picture this wolf in our car. She's huge. And she's like climbing all over me. And I'm like, Pete, get her off of me. And Pete, you were like, I'm not disciplining her on this ride. She can do whatever she wants. So I had this dog like climbing on me in the front seat the whole time. And uh, anyway, she's just like in this car taking up the whole van. And so we finally, we get up there and we get up to this mountain and it looked like just a great place for her. And we right. get out of the car and we, we kind of leave her there. And she seemed very skittish. I mean, these dogs are not very friendly to strangers. They're meant to be very wary of right. strangers. So right. she wasn't... But she's not, she's not bad towards other people, especially if she's not on our property. Right. But anyway, so she, yeah, she was kind of skittish. She was very skittish, right? So we were just like, you know, just feed her. This dog, right. you, if you feed her, she will be happy. All she wants to do is lay by the front door and, and eat give her some, and guard. Yes, give her some meat. Yeah, you know? she wants so, some real meat. So the woman, the woman was going to do that. She was ready for that, and she had like a pack of lunch meat right. or whatever. Right. And so we get in the car and we drive away, and we're all crying. We were bawling. Our son oh, was, was just horrible. bawling. We were all we were all just sobbing, and and we were like, let's. We made the right choice. Let's talk. We know we made the right, right. decision. Let's we, talk about. This whole time, we were just convincing ourselves. We were, we kept saying right. it over and over again. So we leave Bella there. Right. And we're all sobbing. But we knew, we said, if you feed her, she'll love you. Like, she just will love anybody who will feed her. Which right? is super naive. Yeah. Right. She loves us when we feed her. But we're all sobbing. Our kids are sobbing. I'm in the backseat trying to console them, bribing them with Lego sets. Like, it was just awful. Pete's crying. I'm crying. And we're, we just keep saying, you know, she wasn't a good fit. This will be happier for her. This wasn't a good fit for us. Wasn't right. a good fit. So the next day... Well, yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> we're kind of getting used to the idea of not having her and talking about we wanted to get a second dog for Blue to have a friend. <clears throat> so something in me just didn't feel right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like we were doing something obviously wrong. Right. And so had, the next day we get the obvious email, right. which is, this dog is crazy. Come and get this dog. Now. <laughs> Come get Please come get her. I knew. I was waiting for it. I was like waiting. I kept checking my email. I just, I just don't know. Right. This is going to work. They were like, she will not eat. She will not drink. She's growling at us. She's trying to run away. Now, Merrimas do not run away from their flock. She isn't, we could, we have an electric fence, but we don't have to even use it. She's her bark collar. I mean, not her bark collar. Yeah. Her, the collar that the underground electric fence collar stopped working months ago. Right. And there's no reason to replace it. Yeah. She She's will not, not leave. leave. She won't, she will not run away, but she was running away. She got out and jumped in their car and just sat in their car to go home. She wouldn't let them near her. I mean, when they said she wouldn't eat, it was like, oh, my gosh, because she doesn't stop eating. That dog, I, she never stops eating, and she wouldn't eat, wouldn't drink. Right. So they were like, can you please come and get her? I was pretty happy to come get her. <laughs> so we have Bella back now. So the next day, so we drove three hours, and then the next day Pete went up an hour and a half yeah. away. And she is bonded to our family. She's not going to, I mean, it would take, it's possible. Like I actually emailed a Merima rescue and it is possible to transfer their bond, but it would take a lot of work. She's so bonded to us and we were just so happy to have her back. Here's the blessing (laughs) of it all. The blessing of it all for me has been an attitude change for me Mm -hmm. because I was getting a little bit better towards her because it's been a hard thing. And when we got out here, there were so many other things I wanted to do more. I wanted right. my forest garden, and I wanted to get things really peaceful around here and right. learn how to have animals. And so the fact that I had to spend that much time with a dog, I was kind of bitter about it, and I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend the time training her, and so we never really did it fully. We did it about 60%. Right. And so... I have a new attitude now, and I feel like this dog is a blessing. I have a nocturnal dog who will 
you know, take care of my property, guard the children. Anytime we feel like there could be, there's not going to, we're not going to have intruders here. It wouldn't be possible with her. Right. She's just going to, she would wake us up. The bark collar is actually kind of perfect because if there's a real reason for her to legitimately bark, she just barks right through it anyway. Right. And other than that, you know, she seems to be peaceful with it. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. And, and, uh, I, I feel like I have this I, this attitude now where I can really train her to be the a really really good dog. Right, we that we've changed our mindset. We we let her go, and then we went and got her back, and we've really just changed our mindset. We're not going to try to make her something that she's not. She's not a family dog. She's not going to. We're changing our expectations on her. She's not going to listen the way that our other dog listens. And but we're, we want to. We're really committing ourselves to learning everything we can about livestock guardian dogs and utilizing her to her potential. So. We, I joined a, a livestock guardian group that is super difficult to get into because they don't want just dog people joining because they know right. the difference. So you have to answer all these questions that prove that you know and you have a livestock guardian dog. So I, I joined a group. I emailed the breeder and she was... You know, she said the same thing. It's very hard for an adult Merrimah to transfer that bond once they make that bond. So I don't... It, could, it can be done, but... We are going to work to, we have a great bond with her. She's a great bond with my children. She's like a little, she's an extra set of eyes. She's my nanny. And I have this suspicion that once we learn how to do this thing that's very hard, we're probably going to want a livestock guardian dog the rest of our life. We're going to become like livestock guardian experts. Right, (laughs) right. Because they are amazing if you can get them to work right. Right. So we've really just um, changed our mindset on her. We're committed to making it work with her and we do. We love her. Like we were all really happy to have her back. We weren't. Uh, we weren't like upset. Like when it was almost a relief when they emailed us. It was like okay, we didn't really think this was going to work. And right. And so. we don't usually see coincidence in everything. Kristen and I look through the eyes of faith. So I believe that God wants us to have a really peaceful farm here. He's mm-hmm. in agreement with me that we that we want that. And and I look back at this whole emotional strange weekend and realize that this was a way that God could use to change my attitude right. and to to take us one step further towards having that really nice peaceful homestead here where we get to 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 have a wonderful thing. Yeah. Like a dog. And it's neat that we, you know, we made a mistake, but a lot of other homesteading families can learn from that. If you want a livestock guardian dog, get your livestock first. Don't and they do not bond with chickens. I think I think we thought that. I think we thought, oh, she can bond with the chickens until we have the sheep. Right. But she, dogs don't care about birds. They, chickens are not livestock unless they want to eat them, and they can be trained to just not care about them. But. Right. Bella doesn't eat them, but they no. don't bond the same way. So right. she wants to. She lays by the door. She wants to be with us all the time, and she wants to guard us. And she would. I really believe she would die for my my kids. I I believe she would die for our little flock. And so. We love that big white cuddle bug. Yep. <laughs> we have her back. Yep. And I, yeah, she was only gone. We, we realized we could never put her in a kennel or we could no. never, she could no never way. really be separated from us. No way. Most dogs, like Blue was rehomed to us. Most dogs, when they're rehomed, they bond with their family. They, yeah, it took Blue about two hours to transfer his bond. To us, right. But these livestock guardian dogs, I, they are bonded for life, I think. Yep. Um, so... So that was our Bella story. Oh, and then in the meantime, when I was on when I was on Facebook trying to rehome this dog, I discovered this thing on Facebook that is like 
Facebook message. So I, we don't, I don't have an iPhone. I don't use Facebook on my phone. I'm on the computer. But I found all these like Homestead Story listeners who were trying to connect with me on Facebook that I've been ignoring. So I'm not trying to ignore people. I don't really use Facebook. I didn't even know that there was a Facebook messenger thing. I saw every once in a while when I would get on, it would say, so-and-so wants to connect with you. But well, anytime something comes up on the computer that Kristen doesn't know what it is, she just she just X's it out. <laughs> like <laughs> I was trying to scan documents into the computer while she was using it. So I was the the scanner was in a different room connected through the Wi-Fi and I would hit, you know, scan and then this dialogue would pop up on the computer and Kristen was using it and she didn't know what it was, so she would just exit out. Like, how come none of these documents are getting on the computer? Yeah. Right. So it would say like so and so wants to connect with you. And I'm like, well, I don't know who's so X spam. Cause I, I don't know. I feel like there's all kinds of spammy things. Yeah. I, I don't know. So just email us if you want to connect with us. Don't try Facebook. Cause I didn't even know that existed. So back to Bella real quickly. I've listened to so many people's stories about how they do their homesteads and how they do their farms. And one of the major problems people have with maintaining peace on a farm is keeping away the deer and keeping away the coyotes and keeping away the groundhogs and keeping away the raccoons and Mm. everything from predators to animals trying to eat all of the stuff that you grow and the extensive measures that people go to to have to solve those problems. Like those problems are real and a lot of people put up eight foot tall fences. I mean, there's no easy way around it. If you want to do homesteading and you want to grow stuff, everything else out there is going to try and take it from you. And that's the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And so I still think at the end of the day, all the work that we've had to put into this dog is that that's I think that's a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. This farm is going to be protected from deer. And we have a nocturnal dog that patrols the property and keeps Mm -hmm. away the raccoons and the groundhogs and even the rabbits and everything that would try and disrupt the plans that we have and the things that we're doing. And the voles, the little voles, they get those somehow. I don't even know how they do that. Right. So it's really, I think it's really, really worth it. And it's an integral part to what we're doing here. And I think that's something I didn't realize. I didn't realize that, that protecting all of these things that we're trying to build was such an integral part to doing them. And so I think it's really, really great to have her. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's a life lesson learned and that's really important. It's important not to see these things as mistakes or failures, but just we're learning. <laughs> right. There's no way any of us are going to do this right the first time no through. No way. No way. You're going to make a lot of mistakes and learn a lot. And that's part of the fun. It's part of the adventure of it all. So we've been doing so much this summer. We got turkeys. So we're going to do our own Thanksgiving and Christmas turkeys this year. So we'll let you know how that goes. We've been doing so much with herbs. We're getting ready to store a lot of our winter vegetables and squashes. So we have a lot of fun things to homestead about. We've been, I feel like we've yeah. been living. So now we're going to have new stuff to talk about when we're, as we get ready to start Yeah, it was nice to take again. a break from the podcast. And now we've got a ton more subjects that we want to talk about. I'm right. excited to do it again. Yeah. We've had a lot of people that have asked us for more how-to stuff. So, you know, we're excited to to do that. And it's been really great to step aside, step back this summer and do the thing. So we have have these things to talk about. Right. Just like a flower, I'm ready to bloom again. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye everyone.